Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Coming up sometime this hour, I'm not going to tell you when. Because that's all part of a devious plot to get you to listen longer. It's called a tease. We're on the air right now. Coming up sometime this hour, McDonald's employees reveal three shocking secrets about the drive-thru window. Three things about the drive-thru window you did not know. And our own Alex in the newsroom. Turns out was a McDonald's manager for a while. And he oh can, my gosh. he can verify these things. A man of many skills. Unless they're tuned. pooping on my Big Mac, I don't really care. Would you notice? How mm. Oh, well. <laughs> you're going to have to tune in. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. So, man, I've been speed reading this thing. It's an article in the uh, the Atlantic, so it's got to be Moby Dick length. It's just unbelievable. Um, it's incredibly long, but the long story short is the meth that we all grew up with. Ah, uh, those were the good old days, huh? Mom, Dad, and the kids doing old-style meth when it was just fun recreation. Mom and the ants out in the kitchen, and the daughters asking if they could help, and the little boys running around in the backyard, he says, engaging in gender stereotypes. Uh, <laughs> all cooking up the family meth for Sunday dinner. Yep, good times. You know, uh, the preamble to what I'm about to tell you, one of the main problems of misdiagnosing societal ills is that you stop trying to understand what's going on. You just lean on your old, comfortable explanation, and you stop investigating. For instance, the bums and junkies crisis. I had noticed. Infected. It's horrible. All the blue states and cities in America. Some of the more conservative places are starting to see it just by extension. I mean, you're, you're next door to a, to, a, to a blue city, and you got bums and junkies flooding out. People are, are losing their minds. They're rampant mental illness. Everybody knows that. Anybody who's realistic who deals with bums and junkies knows we've got a serious problem with mental illness. And, Jack, as you often point out, uh, a lot of these people are mentally ill because they've melted their minds with drug use. Yeah. Yeah. we got to figure out as a society what we do with that. I mean, well, if, you're, if you're talking about you're not going to treat somebody at the hospital because they didn't get the vaccine, how much money do you spend on mental health care for somebody who ruined their own brain with drugs? Right, right. So uh, with the comfortable, progressive explanation for the homelessness that, well, it's simply that uh, housing prices are high and people can't afford it. They're one paycheck away from being evicted. Too many evictions. Mean landlords. Yes, that's it. High rent and mean landlords. The rich get richer. That's why we have thousands of junkies living in our parks, right? Turns out that, uh, getting back to the meth thing, uh, the meth your grandma used to cook up with her biker boyfriend and and all the the meth the cartels were making and everything, it got too hard to get ephedrine, which you remember they were buying up the Sudafed, that sort of thing. Ephedrine is actually naturally occurring. I did not know this. It comes from a plant. Did not but, know that either. So that, that that's when it became so hard to just get your dang cold medicine when you go to the pharmacy. Right, right, exactly. They had Sudafed locked up like it was, I don't know, nuclear weapons. Because Walter uh, White was buying it all up. Well, as it turns out, the crackdown on uh, people getting ephedrine has been pretty effective. The cartels in Mexico are cranking out all of the meth now. You should know that. The whole uh, Southwestern Walter White biker gang thing, no, it's all the cartels, the, the meth in America. 
they're having trouble getting ephedrine. So they're using uh, the stuff called P2P. It's a long chemical name. They're making the meth out of this stuff, which I won't bore you with the details, partly because I don't really understand them, but it produces two kinds of meth. One is the get you high, and the other just makes your heart pound and 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 makes you super edgy, but it doesn't make you feel high at all. And separating the two is very difficult chemically, and it's beyond the uh, the the abilities of most uh, you know illegal drug manufacturers. Anyway, long story short, so this new kind of meth that's on the streets now is also causing mental illness. It's terrible for your brain. People think they're taking quote-unquote meth, but meth is a long list of chemical processes and that's then distilled down into a, part, uh, a powder or whatever. This is a different set of chemicals produced differently, and it is ruining people's brains. And I can't believe I hadn't heard this till now. But there's a zillion uh, word article in uh, Atlantic where they're quoting this guy who's been with the DEA um, forever. And this is his deal. He's he's like the reverse Walter White from Breaking Bad. He figures out what's on the street, reverse engineers it, figure out, all right, how are they making it? What chemicals are they using? Where are they probably getting the chemicals? That sort of thing. And he says this is new stuff and it is bad. So, do you get the sense that uh, one or a couple of times can ruin your brain, or has this got to be uh, something you do a lot? Or? That's not clear to me. Not clear to me at all. It's Again, prob- probably not uh, very clear to the scientists. Yeah, I've I've plowed through this. Um, I've plowed through this as quickly as I could. Um, Man, meth didn't need to, need to get worse. That that's one of the problems we got going on with the whole drug conversation. It seems to me is that a lot of the people having the conversation as we get more lenient toward drugs are talking about drugs that marijuana, meth, whatever, cocaine, whatever, the way it was when they were doing it 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And most of these drugs are way different now than they were then. Right, right. So, uh, quoting the Atlantic now, why is P2P meth producing such pronounced symptoms of mental illness in so many people? No one I spoke with knew for sure. One theory is that much of the meth contains residue of toxic chemicals used in its production or other contaminants. Um, that combined with the drug's potency today might accelerate the mental deterioration that ephedrine-based meth can also produce, though usually over a period of months or years, not weeks. So people are losing their minds in weeks. From this drug. Wow. Meth or opioids or other drugs might also interact in particularly toxic ways. Um, They just haven't been able to study it in rats or what have have you. Uh, Then there's a bunch of pictures of Skid Row in L.A., which if you've never seen it, is just astonishing. Um, L.A. has long been the nation's homelessness capital, but as in many cities, large and small, the problem has worsened greatly in recent years. In the L.A. area, homelessness homelessness more than doubled from 2012 to 2020. This uh the chemist guy told me that most visible homelessness, people sleeping on sidewalks or in tents that now crowd many of the city's neighborhoods, was clearly due to the new meth. There was a sea change with respect to meth being the main drug of choice beginning in about 2008. Now it's the number one drug. And here's your punchline, and, and thank you to this journalist in the Atlantic for writing this. Remarkably, Jack, meth rarely comes up in city discussions on homelessness or in newspaper articles about it. Mitchell, the chemist, called it the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. There's a desire not to stigmatize the homeless as drug users. Oh, that's so crazy. Remember that study in Seattle where they decided 90% of the homeless were drug addicts? 90%. 
Yeah. So it's not stigmatizing the homeless as drug users if 90% are drug addicts. Right. That's just what is. Well, then it quotes this uh, drug counselor in beautiful Bend, Oregon, one of my favorite places. Um, P2P meth seems to produce the addiction and mental illness that contribute to homelessness much more quickly. Says this uh, counselor gal, it took me 12 years of using before I was homeless. Now, within a year, these people are homeless. Wow. So many homeless camps have popped up around central Oregon. Huge camps on Bureau of Land Management land with tents and campers and roads. They've cleared themselves, and almost everyone's using. You're trying to help someone get clean, and they live in a camp where almost everyone is using. Did you say how long this new meth has been around? Uh, it, it uh, Prevalently? Um, I'd have to scroll back. It, it it came in and out, and then more and more in, like in the 2010 and, okay. and on. Okay, era. well, then it's been long enough that the entire homeless crisis may be because of this. Virtually. Virtually all of it. In fact, I think it's so big a share, you could say that and be close enough to write, you might as well. Wow! Wouldn't that be something? If really what we've got going on here... Is a crisis about a new drug that's on the street. The way the way they looked at uh, gangs and deaths and crack cocaine back in the what eighties, um, you know, it was just it was just seen as a crack epidemic. That's what's causing all this problem. That's what's causing all the gangs and the killings and the whole thing is because of crack. Let's mm-hmm. let's take on crack. Um, that might be what's going on with the homeless thing. It it's, is a P two P meth crisis. They need to give it a different name. That would be helpful so that we separate meth out. Well, right. It's like just continually referring to beer, no matter if it's like uh, Michelob Light or Mad Dog 2020, well, which is a wine, but you get my point. Malt liquor, which is way, way, way stronger. This yeah. is a different drug. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that would be that would be very helpful if we came to a, a realization that, no, this is what's going on. There's a brand new kind of meth out there. Highly addictive ruins your brain. Yeah, we ought to book this Sam Quinones who wrote the piece for The Atlantic and, and do an extra large podcast with him or something. But, you know, we'll have the link for you at armstrongandgetty.com. It's enormously long. Scan it, scroll it, whatever you want to do. Um, but those of you who care about the decay of whatever town you live in, this looks like it could be the answer. Good on The Atlantic for digging into that. Yep, here, here. Uh, three shocking secrets about the McDonald's drive-thru we should get to. Also, the Biden administration rolling out their plan to vaccinate kids 5 to 11. We'll revisit some of the stats on just how deadly this disease has been for children across America. Here's a hint. Not very. Not at all. Stay tuned for all that. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Because of COVID lockdowns and labor shortages and a lack of shipping containers, everything you want is either not made yet, stuck on a boat, or waiting for a trucker who can't drive because the Gatorade bottle he needs to pee in is stuck on a boat or hasn't been made yet. And now, now global supply chain problems are leading to empty shelves at grocery stores. It's so bad that Whole Foods has had to change their name to Part Foods. 
Supply chain thing is going to be a problem. Maybe jokes about it will be a problem, too, but uh, supply chain thing will be a problem. We forgot to mention this yesterday. Rachel Levine was sworn in as the first openly transgender female four-star admiral. So if you're worried about whether or not we're up to the task of taking on China, it's looking good. Um, I'm sorry. How is that related to military capability? I can only assume it's uh, helpful. Uh, why else would we uh, be hearing about it? Um, I'm going to try to get all these little stories jammed in. Um, McDonald's next. Oh, no. the uh, uh, They put a pig kidney in a human, and the human didn't reject it. It's the first time ever. So, uh, good news. Pig kidney. Now, the guy drew grew a curly tail, but he is nah. other- otherwise fine. He's, he's seeing a tailor to get his pants adjusted. But he, uh, he's, he's got a new kidney, so that's He'll cool. be fine. Yeah. McDonald's employees reveal shocking secrets about the drive through window. This is before I get to the vaccine for kids stuff. This is some things you probably ought to know. Workers can hear everything customers say even before the mic turns on to take the order. So while you're sitting there having your conversation about this place, I'll probably get my order wrong. Everybody here sucks. And then you hear, can we help you today? What can we get you? They've been listening to you before you hear that, and they start talking to you. Hmm. If you're up there at the window, you get your window rolled down, they can hear you before anything happens. That's worth I, knowing. I think I'd assumed that. I don't think I had assumed that. I think, yeah, no, maybe not, but I'm always careful what I say around an open mic, you know. I didn't know it was an open mic. I didn't know we were, the mic was open until I hear the thing. I mean, just I never thought about it, but I kind of think subconsciously I've just assumed I'm kind of in private having a conversation right now until they come on. And that's right. why I get, you know, so many loogies in my sandwiches. <laughs> Maybe it's never dawned on me because I've never had the desire to say anything that all I'm saying is, what do you want? I think I'm going to have the number 12. You never had, uh, like, an argument with your kids or wife or anything? Or oh, probably. Or said something, you know, about somebody else to a friend in the car or whatever? Yeah, gotta probably. got to be a yeah. number of colorful things that people say while they're waiting, thinking nobody's listening. So they are listening. Also, they're taking your picture. I didn't know that. They take a mugshot photo uh, of you while you're there so that they can get the orders right. But I had no idea that they were taking my picture while I'm sitting there. Huh. So they're listening to me and taking pictures of me. Bastards. So, I'm, uh, I'm not much on the fast food lately. So, well, aren't you just a saint? Yeah, well, that may, may overstate it a bit, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Although I had a Arby's the other day. There yeah, you that go. was a good sandwich. Heck yeah, and it's good. Really it's good. delicious. It's not low rent. It's delicious. Oh, no. It was a fabulous sandwich. It was like this beef brisket sandwich. It's fantastic. We were going to get a chicken sandwich, but uh, you know who was at the line, you know, halfway around the globe. And um, Pig Kidney's not a bad name for a band, by the way. Pig Kidney. Um, The White House has rolled out today their plan to vaccinate kids ages 5 to 11. So the approval has come in from the FDA. Is that right already? Or are they anticipating the approval? Either way, um, uh, kids are going to start getting shots, and at least some places they're mandating your kid get the shot before they're allowed to be in school. So we're all going to have to make a decision on whether or not we want to do this. Uh, Ben Shapiro tweets out that uh, Marty McCary, who writes for the New York Times and is with Johns Hopkins and is a respected voice on the whole vaccine, he dug into the numbers on kids dying from COVID. We've talked about this a number of times. Throughout the entire year and a half, 
There have been fewer than 500 deaths of anyone under the age of 18 total. Zero to 18, less than 500 in a year and a half in the third biggest country in the world. That is nobody. You dig into it even farther, as Marty McCary has done, guy with Johns Hopkins and writes for the New York Times, a grand total of between 10 and 20 children that didn't already have significant pre-existing conditions have died of COVID. So if your kid is a healthy kid, there have been 10 to 20 deaths in a year and a half of a country of over 300 million people. That's close to zero. Right. Close to no chance your kid dies from COVID. And the rationale to demand that the kids get jabbed is, well, they could carry it, and then somebody who's unvaccinated or immune-compromised or that one-in-a-million vaccinated person who gets really sick, that could blah, blah, blah. But there is no childhood vaccination that has that rationale other than the COVID one. Plus, if it's true that the um, antibodies you get from catching the COVID are even better than the vaccine, then your kid getting COVID it could be a plus for going on to the future if COVID's going to be around the rest of our lives. Which I've been saying for at least a year, the best thing we could have possibly done is sent all the kids to school and let them get exposed. Well, for one thing, they'd they'd have learned to not be like two years behind in schooling the way they are. All and emotionally are. scarred, too. Yeah. yeah. That may yeah. have been one of the worst decisions we've ever made as a country. Yeah, but uh, important that we follow the science and follow all the rules no matter how often they change. If you miss an hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was just looking up at the TV. They've got a... uh, coming famine perhaps going on in Afghanistan, a hunger crisis, and it might turn into like a for real million children at threat of starving to death sort of famine. Uh, It's kind of like the supply chain issues we're dealing with just for different reasons. You know, you have a government collapse and a totally new regime takeover, and it's hard to get all the systems in place for farmers to grow their food and harvest it and get it to market and get it distributed. Well, meanwhile, we have a bit of a dilemma in this country in that uh, we are holding tons and tons of the assets of the Afghan government, which has been, you know, essentially kicked out and taken over by the Taliban. Do we give them those billions and billions of dollars in the name of helping feed and medicate the children of Afghanistan, knowing you're supporting an utterly evil, evil regime? So in the ongoing cancel culture wars in the United States. A lot of people have their eyes on Netflix and the Dave Chappelle special to see if this is a uh, a moment where maybe things change. Uh, Netflix has decided to continue to air the Dave Chappelle comedy special in which he allegedly says horrible things about trans people. Uh, we'll let Joe speak to that as he watched it last night, but... um. Uh, Netflix came out roughly a week ago, and the CEO basically said, hey, it's a very he's very popular, and we're not, we're not going to cancel him. Well, last night, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, the CEO of Netflix, Ted Sarandos, said he screwed up in how he communicated with Netflix employees about Dave Chappelle's recent comedy special. I guess the whole, hey, he's popular. It's a, very hit, it's a hit show. Uh, he sh- feels like he shouldn't have said that, I guess. We have art- articulated to our employees that there are going to be things you don't like. 
There are going to be things you might feel are harmful. But we are trying to entertain a world with varying tastes and varying sensibilities and various beliefs. And I think this special is consistent with that. I'm not sure he would say those things if it was some comedian he never heard of that they gave $50,000 to, as opposed to they gave $60 million to Dave Chappelle to put together some specials for him uh, over the years. And uh, while I don't think keeping him is going to help much against cancel cancel culture, I think if Netflix caved and fired him, I think that would mean, all right, it's over. Nobody can cross certain lines and keep their job. I mean, because if Dave Chappelle uh, could be canceled by Netflix, anybody could. Now, Yeah, one of the things he said in his original statement was that he believed uh, content on the screen doesn't directly translate to real-world harm. Um, and I get why he said that, because all of his overwrought, uh, way-left employees uh, engage in the, the uh, cancel culture verbiage that says, you know, speech is violence, and this is an unsafe space, and I don't feel safe, and the rest of it. So you got to word it more carefully than that, but I get what he's saying. Joe Rogan came to his defense in Rolling Stone saying, I'm telling you that Dave Chappelle doesn't hate anyone or anything. He's not that person. His jokes are just that. Jokes. Uh, Dave Chappelle himself has said recently, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. I agree that that is a lie that culture has accepted. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of this or that group. Yeah, I hate the term homophobia or transphobia. It's insulting. It's pseudoscience. It makes an enormous presumption that's that's not appropriate. The second lie that our culture has accepted, according to Dave Chappelle, is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe, say, or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Right, I would agree. You know, I, I watched uh, the whole thing last night, the whole uh, The Closer. I didn't take notes on it or anything, but I was, you know, quite interested. And um, it's. Uh, I thought you'd take notes, wear a lab coat. Nah, nah, unlikely. Um, it's uh, first in terms of comedy. It takes a while to get going because it's half commentary and half comedy. It's um, it it varies in its uh, seriousness and and you know quest for laughs. Uh, it ends up getting more and more funny as it goes. The stuff about uh, transgender folks and the rest of it. Um, it expresses the opinion of roughly 89% of the American public. Um, it's, it's not hateful at all, but it, it says the whole, you know, uh, people with vaginas thing has gone way, way too far. And it's just, it's, it's overwrought and it's nutty. And, and I and, would agree with you that it's got to be 80 to 90% of America that agrees with that. Yeah, yeah, and you know he makes jokes, but he's a comedian, and and they're not hurt, they're not hateful jokes. Um, what he's doing is reminding us that changing sexes is a really difficult thing for human beings to deal with. It's it's odd, it's surprising, it doesn't square with ninety nine percent of people's views of the world who can't imagine, you know, all of a sudden being the other sex um and it's it's not hateful and it actually ends i don't want to you know spoil it for people who still want to watch it but it ends with a story he tells about a transgender comedian who ended up killing herself because her own community went after her so hard for not towing the the absolute current radical line on transgenderism that doesn't sound like a funny story no it's not funny at all and he's angry about it um and it's uh, it was very very moving, um, 
I'm not sure how much political comedy commentary I need out of my comedy specials. I watch Nate Bargatsky. It's just one joke after another. He never gets into any serious issue about anything. Yeah. He, uh, Chappelle always, also does a lot of complaining about white people. Dropped 75 N-bombs. I didn't count them, but it was a, a hell of a lot. Um, uh, a lot of it was the, just the, the standard boy or white people dumb stuff that, you know, comedians of color love to give to their audience. George Lopez, it's, it's just his comedy is awful. It's awful and lazy. That's his entire act. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Whatever. If, if people want to pay to go see that, that's their right. So the uh, planned walkout there at Netflix by the employees is today. Uh, reports will come in, I suppose, on how many employees actually walked out. I heard a CBS report saying Netflix employees are planning to walk out today as if it's all of them. Uh, right. The other reports I'd heard is that the very, very small number of trans activists within Netflix might stay home today. Right. And I'm not and, even sure all of them will. You know, the, the, the real bias of the media or one of the biases with the media uh, is in favor of conflict. They love conflict, and especially if it's conflict uh, over one of these hot, hot issues. And so this sort of thing you'd never hear about in yesteryear. If there was some small cadre of Ford employees who were annoyed with something, I would never hear that. Um, and so this stuff all gets blown way out of proportion. But I'm reminded of uh, this quote by John Stuart Mill that I like so much. I pasted it up uh, in the studio where I can look at it. Um, popular opinions on subjects are often true, but seldom or never the whole truth. They are part of the truth, sometimes a greater, sometimes a smaller part, but exaggerated, distorted, and disjointed from the truths by which they ought to be accompanied and limited. Heretical opinions, on the other hand, are generally some of the suppressed and neglected truths. Bursting the bonds which kept them down, they either seek reconciliation with the truth contained in the common opinion or confronting it as enemies and setting themselves up with similar exclusiveness as the whole truth. The long story short is you have to let people question the truth. You have to let the free exchange of ideas work because even if you think you have the whole truth, you don't. And it's only in that that bumping heads that you get to the whole truth and real understanding. And the, the desire, the uh, the compulsion throughout history for one body or another to say, no, 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 that's enough truth. The truth is frozen. Nobody gets to question it. Nobody gets to discuss it. And anybody who does is in serious trouble. That is evil. That is evil. No matter what the excuse, it's evil. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen in America. Dave Chappelle, by the way, dedicated his latest special that has gotten so much attention to Norm MacDonald, his friend, partially because Norm MacDonald was so incredibly politically incorrect and was uh, unwilling to not say anything, even if it cost him his job, which it famously did. Ricky Gervais, who's another comedian uh, celebrating his 60th birthday, said he hopes he lives long enough to see woke generation canceled. Gotta say, though, all these people we've mentioned here, these comedians are like roughly 50 and older. That's a different view of the world than the twenty-somethings out there. Yeah, I where would speech like, is violence. I would like to hear more twenty-somethings coming out forcefully against this stuff. The problem is that, generally speaking, in their twenties, they don't have enough status for anybody to listen to them. Mm. But you know, most you know, although you know what's funny, I brought this up a couple of times that uh, most college campuses, you ask uh, people what they think of cancel culture and 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 such. And the vast majority says they're against it. Well, I'm relying on data from like four years ago, from accounts from four years ago. I wonder how much it's changed in those four years. 
No kidding. I wonder if the disease has gotten even more and more widespread. I don't know. It's I ugly, wish, though. I wish there was a better way to measure these things. Uh, finally, before we take a break, Queen Elizabeth has been told to take a rest. Joe likes uh, any story about the royal family, so I thought Oy. I'd bring that to you. Queen Elizabeth has been told by her doctors to take a rest. She uh, had a little gathering with drinks last night with Bill Gates and Boris Johnson. I'd see, based on my experience, if you were having, if you were announcing that you were having drinks the night before, and the next day you say you need to take a rest, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. The Queen, Bojo, and Bill Gates, recently single, got their drink on. And her doctor said, yeah, you should take a long rest after the boy who you tied one on last night with Bojo and newly single Bill Gates who's, you know, just going through this whole crazy party thing. Sure, sure. Well, and she could have gotten hammered and gotten lost in Buckingham Palace. It's so enormous. Just wandered around for hours and laid down, fell asleep on a bedroom. I need to sleep. Laid her head down on a corgi and went to sleep. (laughs) Take him a nap. She is 95 years old. Wow. So she canceled her trip to Northern Ireland to take a rest, according to her doctors. She became queen when she was 25. She's 95. She's been queen for 70 years. The whole thing is stupid. And as I mentioned the other day, according to the New York Post, Prince Charles has got plans to turn uh, Buckingham Palace into a museum as soon as she dies and kind of move away from this whole royal family nonsense that it's outlived its usefulness by at least 200 years. <laughs> if it wasn't an enormous tourist trap, do you think they would just change the British Constitution or, or whatever they have? I, I, I don't know about that, but I, I think she's old enough. She 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 lived back when it kind of meant something still. I mean, or there, or there was she she knew people when she was younger that it still meant something more but yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's it's just a, it's nothing it'll be a bigger tourist trap with buckingham palace open as a museum right that would have to be one of your top couple things you see if you go to london oh absolutely it's walking around one. there yeah. yeah maybe even number 1 so yeah oh my god what a cool thing to see imagine the history they can tell you about in there huh they got the big uh, thing you stick your face through it and all of a sudden you're king george the 3rd and they take your picture and sell it to you for 1995 wouldn't that be jolly <laughs> this is where princess diana used to get with uh, harry's father oh, the guard boy. Oh, that sort geez. of stuff oh golly. no had huh? to go there don't want tawdry working blue <laughs> you get to put on the fuzzy black hat get your picture taken good times <laughs> you think they'd let you do that oh absolutely take a carriage ride around the grounds for like 80 bucks pretend to behead a commoner Good times. Oh, oh, boy. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. never been big on talking about horrifying tragedies on this show. Um, I, I don't know if any of you read the New York Post. They love to point out the worst thing some mom did to her kid anywhere in the world in oh, great yeah. detail. And I just I don't know why anybody wants to hear that. But this is such a cultural touchstone and a lot of different things came out of this. The, the, the school shooting, the worst school shooting ever when young Nicholas Cruz went in there and killed all those kindergartners just awful you know the story we're talking about there 
in Parkland, Florida. Anyway, he is just in the courtroom and just made a statement moments ago where he said, and I just think this is interesting, he said, I'm very sorry for what I did and I have to live with it every day. It brings me nightmares and I can't live with myself sometimes and has pled guilty to the uh, the shootings. Now, I suppose the more cynical among us might be just that's what the lawyers told him to say so he can get the best deal possible, but... If if indeed that's what he's feeling, you know, what what sort of crazy mental illness thing was going on with him? To what extent do you blame him for that? Do you believe in evil? All that different stuff, but Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't there's no better outcome for him based on remorse or anything. I don't No, think. no, 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 but it, you it's You kill uh, that many high school kids, you're just you're you're going away forever. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. In one capacity or another. Of course, I would have thought if you almost killed Ronald Reagan, you'd go away forever too and now the dude is out. Um but uh or if you you know, you kill Bobby Kennedy, I wouldn't think you'd ever get out. Um if he indeed his mind snapped whatever happened, he did the the worst thing ever, and now he is okay-ish and like sees it like through a normal person's brain. I can't even imagine what that must be like for him. As he said, he it tortures him every day and he can't live with himself. Well, I'm not making excuses or anything, but when he did that, he was, you know, a very young man. Swept away by whatever the hell homicidal impulse or temporary crazy it might have been behind it or, or or self-righteousness or desire for vengeance or whatever it was. And there are a hell of a lot of things you grow out of. Um, unfortunately, if you do something as, as horrifying, unforgivable and permanent as he does, there's no coming back. Goodbye. No, no, and there shouldn't be. No, we're putting you in a cage for the rest of your life. And we have the audio. Do you want to hear it? I don't feel like I need to. No, I don't. I don't particularly want to give him voice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. So, uh, on a cheerier note, how about that Haiti? <laughs> <laughs> how about that Haiti? That's a place, huh? Third world hellhole. We haven't really talked about that brazen daylight kidnapping of seventeen missionary folks, including five children, Americans in Haiti. Um, these gangs, I guess, they're they're the modern equivalent of warlords. They're better armed than the police. They outnumber the police. They run certain parts of Haiti, and they do these kidnappings semi-regularly for uh, for ransoms. They're asking for a million bucks per the 17 people that they, they kidnapped. Huge rise in kidnapping crime. Um, the, the unions now, the, the transportation unions in Haiti are striking, saying it's too dangerous to do their jobs. Oh, boy. And they're demanding that the government do something about it. But the government's on the verge of toppling. They had that, uh, that assassination uh, recently. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I certainly hope we get our folks back. They're not, I mean, they're not the Taliban or anything. They're entirely in it for profit. So you'd assume at some point somebody would go ahead and, and make a deal that, got those people back but and and i appreciate the christian charity going to haiti and trying to help people out but man that is a dangerous dangerous place yeah god no kidding i'd say and you get to that that old uh discussion and and i remember it popped up in various times you know people would go to to help the poor beleaguered syrians um yeah and then they'd get uh snatched up by uh by isis i ain't doing that i just ain't 
Yeah, I know. Maybe that makes me a bad person. Then, as you would say, there are plenty of things that make me a bad person. I don't need to focus on that. Oh, I have a list right here. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, how much money, how much time, uh, you know, how much energy, how much danger do we spend retrieving somebody who is, you know, in an incredibly dangerous place of their own free will? Uh, Well, I'm not doing that, as I said. Uh, Have you seen Kanye West walking around in this crazy mask? Um, uh, you you could uh, make the excuse that he's uh, one of the most famous, recognizable people in the world, and you know he's doing the thing that all stars do, where they throw on a ball cap or a whatever and pull it down low and hope people don't spot him. But he's wearing a really weird looking, like you're a crazy person mask, and uh, and walking around and meeting with people. He met with Michael Cohen at a coffee shop in New York yesterday, wearing his "I'm a crazy person" mask. He oh, yeah, I'm looking online now. What the heck? Yeah, isn't that weird and creepy? That's super weird. He looks like a mannequin. And he, he announced Says it, who? And, he, and that's the guy he's meeting with. Says who? That's who he's meeting with. Okay. He's meeting with Trump's fixer lawyer for some reason. Um, nobody's exactly sure if that's a divorce stuff or what that is. But he's seen a number of, been seen a number of places in New York in this just insane person mask. And yesterday he announced he's changing his name from uh, Kanye West. It has been officially changed. It now is officially, legally, yay or ye, depending on how you pronounce it. Y-E. Y-E. Well, I'll keep that in mind in my future correspondence with Mr. West. If you saw him coming at you with that mask, you would scream in horror. I think he might be a crazy person. Armstrong and Getty.